hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. This week's episode features a well-known entertainer, Charlie Hydes. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm very humbled to share this with you, so I hope you all enjoy it. And I hope everyone has a great week and they stay safe. All right. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you? I am doing excellent. I am very, very excited to talk to you. Of course, to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end. I've talked ad nauseum for like the better part of three months about her is Dame Charlie Hydes. Charlie, would you like to give my guests your 30,000 foot overview of who you are, what you do, etc.? Oh, well, I'm a ballsy bluehead bombshell from Boston. Um, I'm a drag entertainer slash comedian slash celebrity impersonator, Queen of Bingo. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I wrote, ride Peloton with Casey, who is a Bingo Bunch regular. And if you're just getting introduced to the whole Bingo Bunch, drag bingo, all of those buzzwords... I basically, every Sunday, Charlie does virtual drag bingo. It's like bingo, but in drag. And it's so much fun. Um, But I went to her party for it. And then I just started showing up. And then eventually I host my, I got a private party hosted for my husband, for me. And here we are. Now you're on my podcast. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've got low standards and you're easily, you're easily hoodwinked into partying with your cash. So right. that? Yeah. And it was, it was such a good time. I still have people talking to me about it. And um, occasionally some of the people in my, in my event and Casey's event will pop in to play bingo. But for me, I'm a, I'm a regular, just like Casey. I play every Sunday. I've gotten a lot of my friends hooked on it. Um, And now I'm friends with people all over the world and it's all because we play together. And I think that's just really beautiful. Well, that's, that was part of the intent of how, why we created the show. We, we created it because James and I, my husband, we were, in lockdown, um, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't see any of our friends, couldn't do anything. We needed a social life. And we also knew that my fan base who was used to coming to my shows on a regular basis here in London, they needed something. They needed something to cheer them up and to sort of get them through the week and to look forward to as well. And so I, I sort of felt like I had a care of duty to entertain the people who used to come to my, to my live shows they're a bit lost. Yeah. And, and, and that that's how it got started. And then it took on a life of its own when it expanded <laughs> across the pond. Because I'm here based here in England. Mm-hmm. First, it was just for my U, UK friends. And then a lot of Americans were joining and playing. But then they were saying, you know, could you do something a bit later? So then I started doing a late show um, that's more, that's late in England, but early in the United States. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's taken on a life of its own. And the, the, the thing that I'm the most um, pleased is that it has created friendships that people who are in isolation or um, stuck in their house in, in the north of England can be friends with somebody in Minneapolis or Florida. So um, I'm really glad that... <laughs> I'm really glad that you joined it. I'm really glad that you're getting getting something positive from it other than the chance to play bingo. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. Cause I look back before like all the pandemic and the lockdown and all of that. And, um, you know, living in San Diego Hillcrest and being an ally, like my friend Rick that you met last week. Um, you know, I, I used to go out and we'd go out on Sundays and we'd go to drag brunch and we would do all of this stuff. And then it locked down. The thing I missed the most was just that feeling of inclusivity, um, and that feeling of just like, it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you're a good person, you're allowed at the table. And, and so I, that's what I think you've given to me. It's, it's, it's definitely a joy. It's something I've really enjoyed. It's, it's definitely given me, I, I basically frame my week around it now. Like if, if, if something's on Sunday, it, I will cancel it because I want to be there for bingo. So I'm excited about it, but even more so with this podcast being about imposter syndrome, um, I definitely love to tell stories of how people have kind of come into their own skin and the feeling of success and failure. So we'll just hop into the first question at hand, sure. which is, of course, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Uh, well, the the older I get, the more I I don't care <laughs> that I don't have it figured out. When I was younger, I really cared and stressed about it. But the older you get, your car insurance gets cheaper and you stop caring whether you get it figured out. Um, I, I, I think I have some things figured out. Like I know what my priorities are and what's important to me. And I know when to um, not give a flying if that... <laughs> No, I like How that. How PC do I have to be on? Oh, you can day? you can drop it. You can right. Okay, it's, it's whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's that's. I would say that's the thing that I've got figured out is that more and more I've learned that I've got a limited supply of fucks to give, <laughs> and um, you really have to work hard to earn one from me. Yes, so I'm fucking. I don't. I don't get stressed out about too many things like I used to. Yeah, so I, I've kind of got that figured out. Yeah, I like that. I like that, you know, like, you're like, as I've gotten older, I've just, you know, fuck it. Like, you know, if it's not serving me, we'll move on and it's and it's all good. And I, I, yeah, and I've, learned, yeah. I've learned I've learned that, like, um, there's nothing that's a real disaster. Um, you know, people think their life is over. They didn't win drag race or, you know, they, their boyfriend <laughs> dumped them or whatever the thing is. It's like, that's it. It's but it's, but, you know, you wake up, there's one news cycle, give something a week. And um, people are talking about something else. Yeah. And to touch on that, I I really enjoyed you in that season. And so that was kind of the notoriety when Casey was like, oh, you remember from this season? I was like, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. And um, and then when I found out that you create all your looks by hand and all of that, I just it made me like you even more because I was like, oh wow. And then I was following you and I, and I just saw that you're just a very humble person. You're very, very grounded in your views, um, which I like. And, and to me, you're kind of the quintessential drag queen that I love. And I've gone to drag con and I did that and it was like overwhelming, but, um, but I just, I've really enjoyed getting to know you through the bingo and, and all of that. But then even so now I'm a huge fan. So I'm like very much reading up on everything or watching your YouTube videos and all of that. And I, and I like it, but I also feel like you kind of took it in stride you, and you kind of just laughed it off. And that's, I think, the way you need to do it. Well, there's, like I said, there's nothing in life that, um, <laughs> there's nothing that's getting, that's worth getting really too worked up about um, if things don't go your way. Sometimes in life you get what you want. Sometimes you get what you need. 
and sometimes you get what you get. And right. then you move on. Yep. You move yep. on to the next project, the next thing, the next, um, you know, if you have, if you, if you have your priorities straight in terms of what, and I think it leads into one of the questions mm-hmm. that you asked is, how do you define success? If you define success as a million Instagram followers or um, a number one album, or, you, you know, if you, if you're not, if you're not, if you're, if you're, if the way you're defining success is, I don't know, nebulous or, or shallow. Um, I'm here on this planet for a reason that's to entertain people and, and to, um, to help people and, and to lift people up. I always remind myself before I start a show, any show, that there are some people, uh, a lot of the people in the audience, you know, they're because they want to be entertained, but some people need to be entertained. Some people mm-hmm. need to laugh. Um, and, and that hour, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, two hours, however long the show is, uh, it's my job to help people forget their problems, their worries, their cares, their concerns, their, I don't know, their impending divorce or whether they're going to get furloughed or um, their HIV status or anything, yeah. whether they're going to, whether the dog, you know, the scan that they had last week is going to turn up a, um, a breast cancer. You know, people just want to escape reality for a while and that's my job i've always said an artist's job is to uh to engage the audience for as long as you're asking for their attention so if i'm doing a a 20 minute stand-up comedy set or if i'm doing an hour-long show or a two-hour theater show my job is to engage you for that entire time and so that you don't even realize that two hours has gone by you're not checking your phone um that's that's and for me that's my priority and my life is built around the next show, the next tour, the next project that's going to entertain and uplift and provide entertainment and distraction for people. And I get pleasure from that. I get satisfaction from that. And it's even better when I make money doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. You know, I, I think I think that your 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 entertainment quality and and. The, you as an entertainer, it's, you have this timeless, um, humbleness. And I just, I don't know. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm just going to say that, but I like your perspective. Oh, I'm (laughs) really good at faking that. (laughs) You're so funny, but you know, I, I love that because, um, I agree, you know, right now times are really hard. You know, I, I tell my therapist every week, I, I got into therapy that over the pandemic, and I, I believe that it's very, very important to have a third party to tell your shit to. Um, but, you know, so, some weeks I'm just like, this really sucks. And I know, and then I'll always qualify it with, I know it's hard for everyone else too. And she's like, yeah, but you're allowed to feel that right now. And this is your 30 minutes to have that time and that window. And this is what I'm here for. Um, and that, that's, that, yeah. that is really important um, because during the pandemic, I've found myself having all the feelings in one hour. <laughs> you know, yes. there's, there's, a side, there's a side where, you know, there's, there's fear, there's horror, there's, there's dread, there's, um, you know, just, the, just because the unknown is so um, scary, uh, then there's a sense of loss and then there's a sen- sense of missing missing people, missing mm-hmm. the way life used to be. And, um, you know, I've, I've found there's, there's been days where I've been tearful and then happy and then grateful. 
um, all, <laughs> sometimes within a five minute period. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, and my like, my emotions are always on a roller coaster. And so how this podcast came to be was I got laid off in March. Um, and it, it was like my worst fear coming to fruition because every, I was a marketing director, I'd work my way up being a woman in corporate America is always hard. And, you know, in general, or being a woman in the corporate world in general, is, is difficult. There's still a glass ceiling. And I made, I made it. I was the furthest in my career. I was proud of my accomplishments. And the, but still every day I would be like, oh my gosh, when are they going to find out that I'm not qualified to be here? When are they going to let me go? And they laid me off and kind of something you just touched on was, uh, because of the pandemic, but something you touched on was, um, moving on to a new project and like not letting it get you down. Absolutely. I grieved it for a couple of days, maybe a week, maybe longer, maybe drank my way through it. I don't know. And then I just picked myself up, dusted myself up. And I started this podcast because I'd always wanted to try something like this and people kept listening to it and supporting it. And I was like, why? And people are like, you don't see yourself the way we see you, do you? You're a connector, you're a networker, you're a talker, you're a chatty Kathy, like, and that's what makes you so cool. And now you have a podcast to showcase that. So I've really been enjoying hearing people's definition of this phenomenon because I feel it's a very human emotion. So we'll hop into that question. Of course, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? And what ways, well, and, and what does it mean to you? Well, this is because of the kind of performer that I've been. I've always been other. Um, as a person, as a human, I've always been other. And I've gotten used to being, and I came to terms with that a long time mm -hmm. ago, that I am other. Um, you know, doing in on the stand-up comedy circuit, uh, the, the heterosexual male, uh, white, middle-class, cisgendered, comics, they looked at me as this freak because um, I was doing stand-up in their world. And and sometimes they didn't get how I had gotten so successful and how I was getting mainstream attention that they weren't getting. Mm -hmm. And then I moved I moved up the stand-up comedy ladder really, really quickly. Um, I just sped through all the steps that they fought through. Um, and so I, I felt like an imposter through that, I felt different. I, you know, I was a singing drag queen and everybody else was doing lip sync and I've never really considered myself a singer. Then um, I came to London and I did, I was an American uh, fish out of water that didn't quite fit in, in, in a lot of ways here. Cause I'm always other, I'm, I'm a foreigner, I'm an immigrant, I'm <laughs> different. Um, there's, there's, so there's, all of those things, some of some of them I've used to capitalize. I turned that into comedy. Mm -hmm. um, how how the things that have happened to me, the mistakes I've made, the the ways I've put my foot in my mouth. I've I've used my foibles and my errors and my mistakes and my faux pas as part of um, as my comedy gold. Mm -hmm. um, there was a there was a famous British couple that were um, on morning daytime television, kind of like Kathy and Regis. Um, and but it was a husband and wife, but she looked much older, and um, it was Richard and Judy. And I remember I would tell the audience, "Oh yeah, I was watching that show this morning with that guy Richard and his mother." And <laughs> like, "No, that's his wife." And I'm, but that was part of the um, that was part of the comedy that you know I would get these things wrong. Um, so I've used my otherness and the fact that I don't fit in. I've tried to turn it around to make it work for me. 
But then there are other ways that um, any performer, any celebrity, not celebrity, sorry, any entertainer, um, usually or any artist usually has a, a fair, equal balance of um, egomania and low self-esteem. Is it's just I, I see it all the time. The egomania and low self-esteem. I'll be backstage with a group of performers, and you can just hear the ego and fear coming out in the same sentence where they'll say something really grandiose and, and it's like, you're just puffing up your ego. And at the same time, you're, you're afraid. Um, and, and it's very common. It's very common with entertainers to be an artist, to be egomaniacs with low self-esteem. <laughs> and I have it all the time. I, I, you know, I, I, I love that. Um, and hearing kind of just in ways that you've felt that, but, um, you know, you, you said that you've come to accept that. Um, how, how do you come to accept that? Like, is there advice that you have for anyone listening being like, man, I feel other all the time. I mean, for me, I've found that I have to lean into what makes me me because I'm loud, I'm unique. And I make a statement whenever I'm in a room. I mean, even when you met me, you pointed me out because I have like rainbows in my background and, and it looked like I was doing crafts and, and then I had a dog, you know? So I was like, I'm making a statement. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not you're not exactly shy and retiring. I mean, um, uh, take this in the the, uh, in the in the way it's intended. But um, my favorite people, uh, <laughs> have, uh, how can I say this? Have a tenuous grasp on reality. Um, <laughs> they're the most interesting. Yeah, people people who invent their own reality and say, "This is how I'm going to cope with this world," and by just creating my own. Um, I'm the star of my own little show. And, and at the end of the day, you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you only get one crack at this thing called life and you might as well have fun and you might as well not be a, a bit player. You might as well be a star in it. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. In terms, of, in terms of how do you get to that point? Um, it's something that I've told James. So James is my husband. Um, the, the difference between James and myself is I'm the eternal optimist. I always see the good in things. Um, when, no matter what goes wrong, no matter what happens, I always say, what's good about this? What's good? At, what is this got to be a silver lining? There's got to be something good. Um, uh, you know, a gig gets canceled. Great. I have an extra eight hours that I can finish that costume I've wanted to. Or um, we were in lockdown. Great. We, we, we can't be driving, you know, because normally we're driving to gigs all the time. Uh, spending sometimes six, seven hours a day in the car, mm-hmm. driving to the north of England, do a show, come around, turn back, um, and you know, get come home. Uh, well, I'm not doing that, so I've got plenty of time to redecorate the living room. And so I always try to find this something good, no matter what happens. I, I I've got to find the bright side. And James uh, hears something, and he can automatically go to um, the what's the downs. <laughs> <laughs> with the downside or he's very fearful. He's constantly worried that something bad is going to happen. And I'm always like, ah, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry because everything always has worked out. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing is you're not dead. You didn't die. You, you when, when that, when that person broke your heart, you didn't die. It hurt. You picked yourself up. You got on with it. Um, We've had, we've had, we've lost a lot. I've lost a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost dozens of friends um, to AIDS, suicide, cancer, murder, um, just 
the full, the, in any different way that you can, accidents, um, I've lost them. And that does make it, you know, they can either, that can either break you and turn you mm-hmm. into a, a wreck or you can then value every moment that you've got and say, hey, life is too short to worry about minor things. So James, when James looks at the world and he's, when he says, oh, well, this could go wrong. I said, James, every minute you spend worrying. Remember that time you worried two weeks ago? Did anything go wrong? No. Did, remember that time you worried a month ago? What happened? Did, did the ceiling come crashing down? Did the sky? No. Right. So then don't worry about it now. Just, it's, it's just a waste of time. You can't afford the luxury. That Life is short. You can't afford the luxury of allowing um, negative stinking thinking to bring you down. The worse you, the, the, the way, if you start getting into a downward spiral of, you know, negative thinking, then you feel bad. The worse you feel, the worse you think, and it's a downward spiral. As soon as you just feel that little spiral starting where you're saying the, saying the things in your head uh, and the worse, you know, the more the harsher the things are that you're saying in your head, the worse you feel, the worse you feel, the worse the louder those voices get. As soon as you can shut them up and say, you know what? I'm, I, could, I could go down that spiral and be depressed for three days, or I could stop it right now, put on a Madonna song, dance around in my underpants, holding a hairbrush, pretending I'm desperately seeking Susan, uh, and then get on with my day. Or I could just, you know, lay on the sofa and curl up in a ball and cry. And um, so that, for me, those are choices that you can make about how you're going to cope with um, bad news or when things don't go your way. I think that's great. I, I love it. I, you know, I hear a lot of, I, I don't know, my husband's like partially like James a little bit, but then I'm also partially like James a little bit. And I've tried to be a lot more positive in 2020 because, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's just been awful for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And, and to touch on, you know, loss, uh, there has been so much loss this year alone, but then also, um, you know, you've been in the business a very long time and you also, you know, you've, 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 I've read an interview that you had said where someone had shared a meme and it had touched on your age and, and you were like, well, I'm just grateful to be alive. Like I'm grateful to be able to do what I'm doing at this age because my friends couldn't, some of my friends are not here anymore. And I, and I loved that. And I thought that is such a positive way to look at it because, you know, life is, is very, very precious in so many ways. And, and I could be mad and angry that I got laid off and my career abruptly ended. It was like, you know, you're done, but no, instead I thought, okay, well, I have time to fix the house and make it the way I want my husband and also can't go anywhere. So this is all time we get before he deploys. And I would never have had that time otherwise. So I, I try to be a cockeyed optimist, you know, I try. Um, sometimes I, I do, cry and can't get out of bed, but those days are a lot less than they used to be. And I just try really hard to be a good person. And I try really hard to just give myself grace because I'm doing my best. And I, and I just, I just really like that outlook. So I think that's great advice. Well, you have the, 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 I mean, you, you, oftentimes we have answers to our own questions, but um, sometimes you do need, like you said earlier about when you lost your job, you do need a bit of time to grieve mm-hmm. and, and you can give yourself some of that time. You can say, right, you've got a day, we've got two days. 
wallow, feel bad, feel low, and then you've just got to get back up again and do something and move on. And it can be a small goal um, or it can be a big goal. You don't have to have all the answers, but you just have to put your foot one foot in front of the other and do something towards something that's positive, something, something that's forward-looking. Um, and, and I found in the past, the times when I felt the lowest about myself, the, the best thing to do is just to help somebody else. Because yes. there's always somebody who is worse off. And if I can spend some time helping them with whatever situation they're in, or whether it's helping homeless people, whatever, just doing something for other people, uh, particularly people who are less fortunate, that, that always puts puts things in perspective. Yeah. But I want to touch back on one thing <laughs> yes. that you said about. So there was that. Yeah, I know. The, I know the meme that you were talking about. Yes. Um, where people in the past, because drag race fans are really young, and a lot of them think that um, that mocking somebody for their age is is the same thing as mocking somebody for a choice they made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a very different thing. It's like, but mocking someone for their age is like mocking someone for being black or Jewish mm-hmm. or or foreign. It's not something you can't change. You can't do anything about it. Um, and the 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 big thing is, I have been to the best parties in the world. I've been all over the world. I've seen sunrises in places that you've only dreamed of being. This is my goal. Gold. <laughs> these are these. It's like mocking me for my age and mocking anybody for their age. Um, we've had more experiences, more parties. We, we've loved more than you've loved. We've danced more than you've danced. It's like that's gold. That th- those memories that I have. That's like a bank that's filled with billions. Um, it's like mocking Bill Gates for being a billionaire. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's the way I look at it. It's like you can you can try to make me feel bad for being old. I'm just looking at you from my piles of gold bullion and diamonds. I'm, oh, keep going. I'll just flot you away like a fly. <laughs> that's the way. And 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 you know, on a slightly vain thing, uh, I I look fucking fabulous. I I know. <laughs> pretty good for your age. I said, first of all, I don't look pretty good. I look fabulous. Second of all, I don't look good for my age. I look good for any age. I look better than you do. You look 20 year old twit. (laughs) In or out of drag, you are gorgeous in general. My friends, no, I'm not just tooting your horn. My friend, Ashley, she, she was curious. So she, she's usually sitting here with her Corgi during drag bingo. Um, she was curious. And so she Googled and she was like, no, they're gorgeous. Yeah, it's all gorgeous. And then she said to me, she said, I hope I look that good. And I said, me too. Whatever you're drinking, the Kool-Aid, the Botox, whatever, I want it. <laughs> I want I to look fabulous. I have Botox in, 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 well, since February, January. Yeah. I, I go, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to I, do anything in the real world with, <laughs> where I don't have the touch of my appearance button on Zoom. <laughs> And yeah, and then and then something that uh, I only know this because I've done drag bingo is that um, you did do a couple of live shows recently, but now oh, it's... Hold on a second, sorry. Oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> my... Do you pick so... up on that question? <laughs> okay, so my <laughs> listeners, I'm laughing because 
You just have to play drag bingo. Okay, you just have to play it. I'm sorry, listeners. That's the rules for listening to this is you have to just experience it. So I'm sure the soundboard just malfunctioned. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, no, um, I completely lost my train of thought. That's okay. Uh, gosh. Oh, no, uh, that you were doing live shows. And then it, and then, and then then all of those got canceled um, could, because you guys went back into lockdown again. Um, but what was your experience in doing the shows in the pandemic? Did it feel different, safe, unsafe? Uh, it was surreal. It felt familiar. It felt, uh, it felt odd. Um, it, yeah, it was, it, it was great to hear live applause and live Mm -hmm. laughter again, but it was odd to be looking out into the audience and seeing people spread out, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wearing masks that get up to go to the bathroom and that have to put their mask on and the waiters are all wearing masks. And that was weird. Um, uh, my background is, is, is stand up. And so in, in comedy clubs, you pack people in as tightly as possible to yes. compress the laughter. Um, so you want to have low ceiling. You want to have, you want to have um, small tables that just hold the one or two drinks um, and you want people to be really packed into, and that's the best. I love that kind of atmosphere. Um, and, and as a comedian, especially as a promoter, uh, when I look at, you know, when I book a room and I look and say, how many can we get in here? They say 110. Well, then I sell out 110. I'm like, can we squeeze in an extra 10 tables? You know, can we get more people in? Um, as a promoter, I'm always looking, why on that balcony? Why, you know, why are the tables so big? Can we get rid of half of those tables and put in more chairs and, <laughs> and and everybody was spread out. There were these big gaps between tables. Yep. And there's not as much laughter in a room with these big mm-hmm. gaps. So that was a bit weird. Um, but then also, I couldn't, all the things that I'm used to doing, getting people to sing along, getting people to dance along, getting people to shout out, we're not allowed to do that here in the mm-hmm. UK. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to sing along. They're not, you're not allowed to do anything that encourages them to sing. And then I had to wear a plastic face shield. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanna Lumley was at my show at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern and normally I would have had her up on stage and we would have done something together and we couldn't do that. Um, she had to stay, you know, she, because she would have had to come through the audience and she had to stay at the back. So that was weird. Um, fortunately, I only booked a few shows because uh, I kind of knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, don't, fill up your diary with things you're going to have to cancel. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I only ask you because I did go to a drag show in San Diego. Um, there is a drag queen in San Diego. Her name is Miriam. Shout out to Miriam. I love her to death. She's just lovely. I went with my friend B and B is a huge drag fan, drag race, like all of it. She, and she, uh, she was wearing the unicorn onesie, but I'm sure at this point, every party you've done this year is a blur. So She's um, so she and I went and it was weird because they had like a net, a six foot net that they would that you would put the dollars in. And then you couldn't like normally I'm used to just having like a fistful of ones and cash and, and stuff. And and I'm, I'm used to being able to, you know, hug the performer or be next to the performer or whatever. Um, and and so it's just it's it, it was very weird for me. Um, and, but it felt familiar, but it felt familiar at the same time. I was like, that's that's, that's weird. That's the thing. It's, it's odd, but familiar. It's the new, the new normal is just odd. Right. 
and it was in a parking lot, the Moe's urban Moe's in San Diego's parking lot. And I was just like, this is really, really, really strange. Um, but we actually, San Diego, we're, we're now purple tier again because San Diegans just won't stop, you know, and, and it's going to be really hard for, I mean, we're seeing it globally that it's, people are having to re, re-shut down and, and, and because this virus is just so rampant. Um, but also like, especially California, it's like, please, can you just like stay home? So Disneyland will open. I just want a corn dog. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's we're we're living through we're living through uh, tragic, hor- horrific. Um, this you know, there's no, I don't know, easy way to describe it. There's mm-hmm. there's very few pluses. Um, the only thing I can do again, my brain goes, well, at least it didn't happen ten years ago before we had Amazon. Before yes, had, yes, before that's we what had I'm Netflix, thinking. Before we had Zoom. Um, oh gosh! Can you imagine dial-up? Oh God! This <laughs> had happened thirty years ago before the internet. You know? Yes, um, it, it would have been very, very different. So I, I try to again look at yes. the positive and say, at least we've got Zoom and Amazon and Netflix. That is so funny you say that because I was telling myself the same thing because when the pandemic happened and my husband was away and he came back to a very different world and. Uh, I just remember being like, well, at least I've got Netflix and everything delivers. And, you know, because I couldn't even imagine what it would be like without the technology we have. So we're very fortunate for that because I feel like it's really connected a lot of people in a lot of ways. But um, I think we've touched on the elephant in the room of imposter syndrome. I always love to uh, ask the following question um, because I feel like it always brings out some true personality. So what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Uh, well, I'm fanatical about just entertaining people, um, just anything to do with. So I've done everything from stand up comedy and singing and music and, and um, you know, my YouTube videos. And so just entertaining people. I'm fanatical about that. I take I take comedy very serious, although this is a serious interview. Um, <laughs> I take, com- you know, I'm serious about the business of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm fanatical about home renovations and um, and doing DIY and and um, uh, we've we've over the years James and I have um, renovated and redecorated um, multiple residences and properties and um, so and and this one the the one that we're in now um, uh, we've it's such a big house that well, where we started by the time we got to the last room. We went back to the first and oh, this looks a bit, looks a bit tired. <laughs> and then you start all over again. Um, so uh, yeah, fanatical about uh, I'm fanatical about design, whether it's uh, in, in symmetry. Um, you know, if a light switch is like three cent- three inches off center from the one that's on the other wall, I will move it. I will replaster the wall. Um, so symmetry and design we had we put this archway in between the kitchen and the tv room and um i had steel beams put in to make the to make it wider and i told i told the builder um it's off center and it's always bothered me that it was off center um it was not in the original design and and the first builder messed it up so we'd had a flood and the wall had come you know the ceiling had come down in in the in the room and so i said well this we're just going to take this opportunity all the plaster has been knocked off the wall we've had to you know, sort of gut the room, we might as well just knock out that doorway and make it wider and make it symmetric. 
And so, you know, I come back after he puts the steels in and everything. And I had said to him, I wanted three inches on the left side away from the kitchen counter, three inches from the other side. I am fanatical about it. If it's three and a half inches on one and two, seven, five on the other, I will ask you to do it again. It's going to be three inches on one side, three inches. Sure enough, you know, it was, it was messed up. So I said, please do that again. And then I looked up at the top of the arch and the, and it was like, and one side was like an inch higher than the other. I said, I can see that that's not level. I don't even have to hold a spirit level up to it. Um, that, and I made, made him do it three different times um, before they got it right. So symmetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. But I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot come into my house. My house is a semi-prefabbed house um, uh, here in, uh, I'm, I'm in San Diego County. Um, but I constantly, like my neighbors in front of me, they, they, um, they sold their house. And so our new family that moved in, she's just like you. And, and, and she's, she's, you know, she's redoing the house and, and, and she's finding stuff because these are both prefabbed sort of. So, um, you can't look at my light switches. You can't look at like my walls because everything is just wonky and weird. And as we've been renovating certain parts of it, um, cause it's a newer home, like whoever laid the carpet in, it has ripples, but we're going to rent it out while we're in Hawaii. So it's like, do we gut everything right now? And, and then let some other people live in our house for three years, or do we come back and just fully redo it? And so that's kind of where we're at. So we did things to make me feel better in the house. Like we had these ugly white cabinets. And so I made my husband paint them blue. Um, and I tried to help him, but he told me I was doing it wrong. So he, he, he painted all of the cabinets and that's been helpful. (laughs) You do it a bit wrong. So then the other person says, no, you're doing it wrong. Stop. I'll do it. And then you just sit back and have yourself a drink. Yeah. And sit yeah. there supervising while Charlie does all the work. I know that trick. <laughs> James. So, so yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool to like be really interested in design. And, and, and I love that you, you know, you create all your costumes and, and, and anything that you wear is always usually made by you, um, which I think is really cool. So do you have that same level of precision when you're making a garment? Yeah. I mean, I, I went to school for, I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design uh, in Boston, where the same school Kachi went to. Of course, I was several decades ahead of her. Um, <laughs> anyway, so my background is in design. I, I studied uh, graphic design and architecture. And so, but design is design. If you, if you, if you've ever met an architect, you'll, you know, they'll, their garden looks great and their, their clothing is great and they, they, they have a good car and, you know, they, uh, it's, it's a multi, um, faceted discipline, um, architecture. And so uh, whether it's, whether it's fashion or, um, interior design, jewelry design, costume design, wig design, whatever, um, a lot of the things like, you know, proportion and texture and scale and all those things sort of, they cross, they cross different disciplines. Um, but with costume, I learned couture techniques. And so even just this little simple dress, I'll do a French seam and um, I'll do a hand, uh, a hand pricked zipper and hand pricked invisible zipper. I learned a lot of these hand, te- and James was like, it takes you twice as long. No one's going <laughs> to see it. And I'll say, but I know. 
I know. When I put it on, I want I wanted to feel special. Like my gown, my gowns. I remember when Alexis from RuPaul's Drag Race, Alexis Michelle, saw the inside of my gowns that I had made. Um, they were all finished, and I build the corsets into the into the gown. It's a it's a it's a you know couture technique, and she was just amazed. She's like, you could turn that inside out and wear it inside out. And I was like, well, that's it's just the way I knew it, and I just have to do it the right way or else I won't feel comfortable in it. I want when I put on a costume, I want to feel special. I want the costume to elevate me. And if I knew it was shoddy inside, I just wouldn't feel the special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And then moving in towards like unpopular opinions. Um, do you have any and why? Oh, I'm sure everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I expressed an unpopular opinion on RuPaul's Drag Race, um, which there's a bit of a myth around. But uh, I, I enjoy, uh, I do enjoy a good lip sync number, but I can get bored very, very quickly watching a lip sync show because the only way I've never seen, I've only seen a, a very, very few people do a 90 minute show where they were lip syncing the entire time. Uh, it's really difficult to engage the audience, but you can mm-hmm. sing, you can just stand in one dress and tell jokes and, and sing and entertain an audience for two hours. Bianca Del Rio does it all the time. Lady mm-hmm. Bunny does it all the time. Um, Joan Rivers, you know, one outfit. Whitney Houston would walk out on stage. She, would, she wouldn't dance. She would just stand at the microphone and belt. One outfit. Maybe she'd do a couple of costume changes, but... Um, you know, if you're a singer, you can engage the audience and hold their attention for hours mm-hmm. if you're a good singer. I mean, Adele, we saw Adele in concert here in London. And um, very little production, very little production, really, really simple staging. Um, and she changed outfits maybe twice. Um, and she held you in the palm of her hand. Where if you're, if, if you're a lip sync drag queen, you've got to do the splits and the backflips and do all these stunts. And after four or five minutes, that's it. You've exhausted your repertoire. Once you've done a death drop and you've done a cartwheel, can you do that for an hour? Um, so I had talked about that a bit, and but it, it was mainly because of the fact that I had been here in England for, ye- for 20 years where all of the queens that worked regularly here in England all sang live. They were all comedians. They could, they were like, um, they were the ringmaster, they were the bouncer, they were the person, the cheerleader, um, and they were, you know, usually they would walk out on stage in one outfit and not change and then entertain the audience for 90 minutes and sing and tell jokes and be the life of the party. And so that was the tradition I had grown up in. That was the tradition I was used to. So, um, there are some people that think that I that I um, I've said that I don't like lip sync or I I can't lip sync or I refuse to lip sync or I don't lip sync. I can lip sync. <laughs> I didn't get on Drag Race by not lip syncing. I can lip sync really really well. I just don't do it very often. Um, I'll do. I'll take. I've taken like. I'm, Google it. Um, I took like an an hour of Dolly Parton's autobiography of all of her dialogue and I cut it up. And I made it into a little four-minute routine. And I knew RuPaul loved Dolly Parton. And when he heard it, he was, like, blown away. Because yeah. it's, 
I've got, I get Dolly to say things she never said um, <laughs> just because of the way I've edited it. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I was um, known for here in the United Kingdom for taking a select, like I did Joan, Joan Collins had a chunk uh, this exercise video, health and beauty exercise video. Uh, uh, it was a LP 33 inch vinyl in which she talks about her health and beauty regimes. And I edited it in such a way that it's, it's vulgar. You can see it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> well. Just Google uh, Joan Collins, Charlie Hyde's. Um, yeah. So that's the thing that I was I got known for here. So I would walk out on stage as that celebrity and lip sync to their actual voice um, in these really <laughs> twisted, surreal, foul um, routines. Yeah. Uh, uh, so th- that's it. <laughs> People think I have an unpopular opinion that I don't like lip sync. I just, I'm, I'm, I've never seen somebody, there was an, there was an act in New York called Lip Synca and she could do a 90 minute show. Um, and she just lip synced the entire time and it was all cut up and twisted stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to be in the mood for a lip sync, right? Like I, like if I'm going to a drag event pre pandemic, I know I'm paying for the lip sync portion. Like I went to a bu- Ross Matthews bubbly brunch with uh, Honey Davenport um, and Monique Hart in December, and and it w- and it it got a little tired because I'm like, all right, like aren't I usually, you know aren't it gets usually three or four people on the bill. Plus yeah, and they they do two numbers, you know, and it's just like it, it just it you know not every one of the acts was engaging and then because you you know when you're hearing you talk you made me think about like yeah some sometimes like a queen will come out and I'm just bored and it's not because she's not entertaining it's just because I've seen lip syncs for the last two hours you know so so I, I get it that, that's kind of my point it yeah and I get that lot. it take it does you have to have well you know Sasha Velour did it with rose petals and um uh, I won't say her name, but somebody tried to do it with um, butterflies and it didn't work. Um, <laughs> but but uh, there there are very few stunts. Once somebody has done, like I said, the backflips or, or a blackflip mm-hmm. or a, a death drop, can you do that for another hour? <laughs> can you keep doing it? Um, it? It's a lot of diminishing returns. But anyway, in terms of other unpopular opinions... Um, uh, Golden Girls is the best, best sitcom ever. Yes. Um, Dolly Parton should be president, prime minister, and pope. Agreed. And she's a, li- she's a living saint. And, yes. And um, the world would be better if everybody just did what Dolly does. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I love just those put two. Put a tattoo on your hand that says WWDD. What would Dolly do? Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I love those. I love those. And of course, I mean, we're, we're nearing the end of this awesome conversation because um, I know that you have to hop out and entertain many beautiful people around the world. But I will ask you this because I'm sure my listeners are, would be very curious, but what's currently making you happy in the world? Uh, what's making me happy? What's making me happy is the fact that I'm able to continue working. Um, so it's uh, it's November. What is it? <laughs> November 39th? What, what day is it? Yeah, I think it's what. So basically, 14th, yeah. what's making me happy is the fact that I'm continuing, I'm, I'm able to continue working. Um, so the lockdown was announced here in the United Kingdom on a Friday. 
the prime minister said, okay, as of tomorrow, do not leave your house. Do not go anywhere. Um, you can only leave the house for an hour a day um, for exercising. Um, you can go to the gross, excuse me, grocery store or supermarket. Um, and that's it. Um, and so I had to erase a couple of months worth of shows from my diary and um, <laughs> issue refunds to everybody because I had a, a month-long tour of sold-out shows and everything. And that was Friday night. I felt horrible. Had a sleepless night nice Friday, sleepless night nice on Saturday. Woke up Sunday morning and said, I'm going to do bingo online. <laughs> and I put together a poster with me with a bunch of toilet paper behind me, like rolls of stacked up toilet paper. Put a mask on one of my old photographs, like a surgical mask on one of my old photographs. Said, I'm going to call it Isolation Bingo. And um, I went to my ticket site and I uploaded it and I posted the link on my Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram and people started buying tickets. By the time James woke up at 1030 in the morning, I had already sold like 45 tickets. Mm-hmm. And when he got up, I said, oh, we're doing a show tonight. We're doing bingo. And he said, but everything's closed. How, how? And I said, we're doing it online. He said, how? I said, I don't know. We've got a couple hours to figure it out. <laughs> so we had to take photographs of bingo cards and we had to actually turn them into JPEGs and then email them to everybody that purchased tickets. And we had a sound system. We had the lights. We had, we had a Wi-Fi signal and um, we did the first show and people loved it. And they told their friends about it. And the next week there were more people. And after a couple of weeks, I just knew, okay, I'm on to a winner here. I'm going to be able to survive this, this, um, this lockdown. And uh, then I started expanding it and it started growing and word of mouth started spreading. And so that's something I'm very pleased about because so many of my friends just gave up. Yeah. They grew beards, they've gained weight, they haven't worked. Mm-hmm. Um, they started to work a little bit when things opened up again. And then, um, you know, I know people who are just depressed, clinically depressed because they can't work. They can't, they haven't figured out how to survive. Um, and not only am I th- surviving, I'm thriving and, and I'm meeting people like you. I'm meeting people, um, bingo bunch regulars that people play on a weekly basis. We're friends offline. It's connected me with people mm-hmm. who I hadn't seen in years who found about uh, what I was doing. Um, so that's bringing me a lot of joy. Um, yeah. It's giving me sane. It's giving mm-hmm. me something to focus on. Um, and it's paying the bills. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. You've truly done something so awesome. And, and you make such a good point that, you know, you got to just kind of, you, you just ran with it. And a lot of people in, in your industry, you know, they, they or you've seen it all over, um, just kind of, it, it's really shown who's really able to persevere, look on the bright side and find a way to connect people. And then you've done just that. And I'm glad it fulfills you. It fulfills me. It makes me really happy too. I have something to look forward to now and, and it's great. So that segues directly into, I always give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like. So go for it. <laughs> well, um, if they, if they're, if they like celebrity impersonations, mm-hmm. they can go to my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Charlie Hydes TV on YouTube. Just Google Charlie Hydes and Madonna or Charlie Hydes and Gaga. And I've impersonated dozens and dozens of celebrities and, and those videos, so many of them, um, I haven't watched them in years, but every now and then somebody will quote one and I'll go back and watch it and I'll go, Oh, that, oh, that was real. <laughs> 
that's really good. Um, I'm really proud of that little three-minute gem. Um, so they could, your viewers, your listeners could uh, pop over to my YouTube channel, or if they just want to find out what is this thing that you're talking about, they could come and you can go to my website, dragqueen.bingo. Dragqueen.bingo. <laughs> Love it. Did you even know that there was a dot bingo? There's no, that's the craziest part. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. I, and that that's what I found so clever. I'm like, this is just so clever in so many ways. Um, yes, I, I, ne- I never knew that, but I love the link so much. And when I send it to people, they're like, can I click like in a text message? Like, can I click that? And it, it fully populates the link. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen a dot bingo. <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. Yes. Happy and yeah. you. <laughs> yes. And Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me to my listeners. As always, I'm going to put all the links to Charlie's YouTube to um, dragqueen.bingo so you can learn more um, about it. It's all going to be in the description as always. Um, but I am going to let you go so you may entertain the mini. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And I'm sure, you know, my listeners will love it. And I will see you at drag bingo tomorrow. Good night. Good night. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.